further than what we were supposed to, or All maybe right, I was ben, even longer than that. We're going to start over because uh, I realized I had this on mute the entire time. Oh, goodness. Okay. All right. Uh, for those of you who have just been watching us on the screen for the past five minutes. Way to go, Christian. You heard nothing that we said because I had the mute button on. I just tried to check it out on Facebook Live and it was muted. So, oh, we're ready to bring to you guys. Welcome to episode 31 of Overtime. Part two. Part right? two. Sorry, we just... Take Take two. Yeah, take two. Sorry we just spoke to ourselves on mute for the last five minutes. Sorry, Ben. Um, I feel like that was a really good warm-up round, though. So Great. I feel ready to go, then. Perfect. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Once again, sorry about the technical difficulties. It's uh, a miracle what unmuting audio would do. Now you guys can hear us, and you're not just watching us. <laughs> On your screens, but welcome to episode 31. How many people do you think you threw off by that? You know, do you think everybody was searching their like computers? If you were watching live, or maybe even you're watching this after we put it live, please comment or email us or let us know if there's like 20 people that are like, man, something's wrong with my phone. I can see him talking. I just I can't, can't see it. I just I can't hear him. Yeah, and I just checked. The audio is back on. So once again, we apologize Yay. about that. Um, <laughs> hey, that's just that's basically represents life in the quarantine. You know, we're talking, yeah, but nothing's happening. Um, yeah. Anyway, we are so glad that you guys are here. Uh, welcome to Overtime. My name's Christian. This is Ben. Uh, hey. uh, Overtime's kind of our podcast to jump into, uh, in more in depth into the sermon that we covered this last weekend. And uh, we just wrapped up a series on Philippians, which uh, we were just mentioning a moment ago when we were on mute. Uh, it's very hard to uh, go through Philippians in just a couple of weeks. And that's what we attempted to do. And so yeah. Ben's going to take us a little deeper into uh, Philippians chapter 4 today in this podcast. Yeah. Um, but before we jump in, I'm going to repeat the announcements that oh, said a couple man. minutes Make ago. Make it quick, buddy. Yeah. Make it snappy. So uh, teacher appreciation. If you know a teacher who deserves to be acknowledged for all their hard work, we invite you. Email Megan uh, Graff. So Megan at clcfamily.church. That's M-E-G-A-N-N. -N, um, because we're actually wanting to recognize them as a church. And uh, we have a really awesome kind of appreciation prize that we want to give them. Um, but we need some recommendations for who you think uh, would uh, be a, be a, a great recipient for that. So go ahead and email Megan at clcfamily.church. And then in addition, we have Connect Online Wednesdays on Wednesday nights at the church. So go ahead at 6.30 on our Facebook page and our website. You can tune into a live devotional tomorrow. Gary will be bringing a devotional for us. And we invite you to come check it out. Usually it's a great time to get connected um, and to receive a little bit of the word. So um, that was a... Two-minute yeah. summary of what took me five minutes to say earlier, <laughs> um, but we're going to jump into our podcast once again. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, Ben's going to uh, – Ben, just give us a recap of uh, Philippians yeah. 4 because we know that's very easy to do. Uh, so I'm kidding, but there go is, for it. And we should probably say I'm not sure. I'm, I might be having internet ex internet connections issues on my gotcha. end. You might be getting that too. So just hang with us. We'll do the best we can. Yeah. But like Christian said, this is kind of life in quarantine, right? Yes, like my hair is, is crazy because I can't get it cut anywhere. Anyway, uh, so yeah, this past week we were wrapping up the series, Philippians chapter four. There's so much going on in the book of Philippians um, and even in the specific verses that I covered, which was just Philippians chapter four, verses one through 14. I didn't even give you the full chapter this week, just was trying to dive into the content and the depth. And really Philippians is a book where Paul kind of uh, almost says the same thing over and over, but in different ways. Like it's a, a, a cry to the church in Philippi who he dearly loves and is concerned for. It's a cry for them to rejoice always, even in the worst of suffering, which makes sense because this is a prison epistle. This is one written by Paul while he was either in prison in Rome or in possibly house arrest in Caesarea, but he's in prison ultimately on the way to his death. Like that's eventually what happens is he makes his way to Rome where he's, he's murdered for his faith. He's put to death. And so in this, like the pleas to, for unity, the pleas for joy in the midst of, you know, difficult circumstances. And there's a ton of things going on in there. And, and I love Philippians chapter four. Like I love the book of Philippians as a whole, because just as you work through the scriptures, there's, there's some very specific things that we can do as believers. And if we do those things, through the worst situations, through the difficult times that we have, through the challenges, we can learn to rejoice always, which is Philippians 4.4. 4. Yeah. And then in that, if we can do what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, um, where we're not anxious, but we go to the Lord through prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, then if we can do those things, then what happens is Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. And yeah. so there's a prescriptive, literally like here, do this, do this, do this, and then you'll experience God's peace. And, and all of it kind of flows together. So verse one is kind of a sum, summarization of what he's talked about in chapter three. And then it goes into this conflict, conflict between these two women in chapter two. And then that leads into chapter three mm -hmm. and it just kind of builds upon itself. Um, so there's a lot that's going on in there. I feel like I could probably preach sermon 2.0 because yeah. there was so much that I felt like I had to cut out or I didn't quite get to where I just kind of skimmed the surface of because of time yeah. um, that I think I, I probably could just go for it now. But I, that, let's keep the, the normal way that we do this, the yeah, normal sure. cadence and just let you kind of ask the questions sure. and yeah. There. <laughs> so we'll roll through some of that stuff and then we'll probably have a little bit of time at the end if you'd like to share anything you missed. But um, I find that, that our covering the book of Philippians is very timely because I feel like all of us are on house arrest in some ways. Yeah. Like yeah. We, we're bound to our houses or if we're not experiencing that, um, we might feel like uh, the rest of the church where we have great anxiety or uh, you know, right. we don't have to look far to see. Uh, you know, even when it comes to how this is all being handled, there comes great division and like, oh, I right, think we have to right. do this. Some people think we have to do this. And so, um, <laughs> you know, it's a very timely message for an invitation to rejoice, not be anxious and be unified, um, right. which I thought was super interesting as you mentioned those things. Um, yeah. And so uh, would you mind sharing a little bit about, um, I guess, some of the... Um, so we're talking about the, you kind of dive a bit more deeper into this dispute between uh, some of the women and how that kind of was maybe on the front end of this very significant chapter in Philippians yeah. 4. And so um, I guess, and, and I always, as you know, you know, we always try and identify the context clues, like why, why is the author writing these words? And the best way you can understand those things is to look at what is happening. What is the author right. writing to? And so Paul in chapter four is writing to this instance that you mentioned of this dispute yeah. between these women. Would you mind kind of unpacking that a little bit and clarifying? Yeah, that for sure. Us? Like, I feel like it's a little bit hard. Like what I would love is, and generally this is how people work, right? Like when things happen, we want details. We always want details. Like yeah. give me, give me everything. Yeah. And the reality is, is that we really don't have much details other than yeah what we can see in Philippians chapter two, it says there's these two women that were of Greek names. Uh, and Paul says that uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And then verse three says, yes, I ask you my true companion who we're not sure that is like Paul is not only addressing these two women, but his true companion um, to help these women since they have contended by my side in the cause of the gospel, mm -hmm. along with Clement and the rest of my other coworkers whose names are written in the book of life. So in that there's a lot that we don't know, but then also there's a lot that's shared. So there's these two women that are in some sort of a disagreement because Paul has said that they've contended by his side. It is believed that they could have possibly been like deaconesses of the church, okay. Okay. which would make sense because in, in Macedonia, think of uh, like Greek um, uh, mythology. Yeah. There was a lot of female Greek goddesses. And so it would make sense in Macedonia that there would be also women that were religious leaders. Okay. And also when we clue that together with what we read in Acts chapter 16, in Acts 16, there's this woman who's known as Lydia, who was a seller of purple linens. And this was because purple was kind of royalty and it was a difficult color to work with. Like yeah. she was in essence, she was the fashion designer of her time. So there's yeah. probably a lot of wealth, but she comes to know Jesus. And she's one of the first converts in this church in Philippi, then she is a leader possibly there. Yeah. And then also these other women are possibly deaconesses okay. in the church. So, so as much as we don't know that we can kind of conclude and kind of piece together, we don't fully know what the disagreement was. Maybe it was, it was something that was small. Maybe it was sure. something that was larger, but if they were deaconesses, then they were pretty visible within the church. Sure. Yeah. And, that's a good point. And a disunity amongst the church is a terrible witness. Like that's yeah. one of the things that I think is so important but then also disunity doesn't ultimately lead to joy. And that's yeah. really kind of as Paul is even talking about this, this disunity, like he's addressing it so that we can experience joy. Like yeah. that is kind of the main theme. If you don't remember anything else from Philippians, yeah. it's joy in the face of difficulty. Yeah. And, and Paul is kind of connecting this disagreement with joy, which is unlikely. Yeah. But he's saying, hey, while you may feel like in that season, like, you get your way, there's backbiting, there's gossip, there's difficulty, like 
it may feel good in the moment. Yeah. It doesn't actually produce a lasting and fulfilling joy. Yeah. And that's ultimately what Paul is trying to drive his companions to. So he mentions these two specific women. He mentions kind of his true companion. He mentions Clement and yeah. then his other co-workers. Um, but then he kind of jumps right into the next verse. And that's as he's, again, connecting this difficult situation. And then he says, rejoice always. Yeah. And he even says it twice. Like, yeah. Just in case you missed it, just in case you forgot, you didn't want to hear it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again rejoice yeah and i appreciated you adding emphasis because uh yeah you're right when authors write something twice it's not by accident they didn't have a slip of the pen or the quill or whatever they're using or the chisel um but it's a matter of they really want to drive their point home and i really also liked what you said you said this uh on sun or on the weekend um you said that we're what we're all thinking like sometimes it seems unrealistic like okay um like let me be honest like this quarantine there's some days where i just don't want to rejoice (laughs) there's some days where i'm just miserable and you know i yeah Yeah. i mean gratitude helps that that's awesome and stuff um but uh is it a mat like what does it look like to rejoice because it does seem unrealistic to do it all the time is it suppressing like our our anxiety and our nerve like what is uh what does that look like so um you identified and said it's very unrealistic uh it's seemingly unrealistic to um to rejoice always but you kind of unpack a, a little bit more so as you as as one who's teaching in the middle of a pandemic to a people experiencing pandemic, how would you invite us to, and I know you did this on a little bit on the weekend, but uh, can you expound a bit on what it looks like to rejoice and um, what it is and yeah. what it isn't? Because I think sometimes we get confused or discouraged um, when For we're sure. not always feeling positive. Yeah, that, um, that's, so. that's right. God gave us emotions and a lot of times our emotions have a way of kind of dictating how we respond to things, right? Yeah. Like if we're, we're feeling sad, it's kind of, like how do we take that intellectual idea of rejoicing always and match it with, well, I don't feel like rejoicing. I'm pretty upset. Like, so, so it's complicated and and there's a lot, I feel like this is probably the biggest part. Well, everything kind of leads into itself as you look at Philippians chapter four, but like rejoicing the Lord is, is one of those things that just seems impossible. Like if you've been around the block, you've experienced life, tough things happen. And there's moments in life where you go, it's impossible, or it seems as if it's impossible for me to actually rejoice in this. And, and I told a story, I went into kind of a a story back in 2018, when my wife and I had experienced miscarriage. And uh, it seemed like God was setting everything up, like we moved into our first house. And it was really kind of shaped by the narrative of we're having our first child, and we're starting a family and growing into that. Like, so there was a lot of things that we were excited for, but then we go to this doctor's appointment and we find out that we have a miscarriage. And man, it, when I think of this verse of rejoicing the Lord always, we tend to fill in maybe the worst scenario that we've ever had, right? Yeah. Like we go, well, how in the world would I rejoice in that moment? Because yeah. that seems absurd. That seems like it's impossible. It seems like it's a really churchy, great idea but then the actual living it out seems impossible. Yeah. And, and I think that the difference is, is what Paul is not saying is to, in the middle of that, you put on a silly or a stupid grin and you're like, no, everything's perfect. No, it's actually feeling the emotions yeah. and grieving the loss and feeling what you're feeling, but ultimately at the same time, knowing that God is still good that he is still just and that you may not understand it, but that he is still there walking with you in that season. And I think for my wife and I, that was uh, the reason I tell that story is because that was probably the worst and also the most beautiful time in our lives. Like one of the most difficult things we've ever gone through yet. What we experienced was God's peace in the midst of that. What we experienced was God knowing that God was in control and not losing sight that he is a good father that gives good gifts. And we don't understand, but if we could see things, maybe how he sees things, then maybe we would have more of a peace. And so that's what we were wrestling with in that season. And in that season just felt like, man, God did show up. Like we felt his peace. We felt that verse seven talks about that's beyond human understanding. We felt that peace and we, experience that grief and that loss so it wasn't you know this bad theology that just puts on a grin and goes yeah everything's fine even though the world is crumbling around you or it feels like your heart is exploding inside of your chest like it's not faking it 
it's wrestling through, but also coming to an understanding of, okay, God is good. And that's ultimately what Paul is getting at. Like yeah. That's why Paul can say in prison or on his way to prison that he's, well, he was under house arrest. So yeah. maybe on his way to Rome, there's still speculation whether he was actually in Rome. Some mm-hmm. believe that he was, some believe that he wasn't. So it's even hard to get a clear answer whether he was, but at the very least he was under house arrest. So in that, that's why he say, can say like, Rejoice in the Lord always because God is still sovereign. He's still in control. He still sees his situation. And in that, while anger might be the normal response and feeling like you've been like mistreated or like it's unfair, while that would be natural, we don't have to respond in the natural, but we can respond by going, okay, God, you are good. It's not rejoice based on our outward circumstances yeah it's rejoicing in the fact that that we have a loving father who cares for us and is there and it's not about the loss of the gift as much as it was thank you for the time that you have given us that yeah it's a really good uh, it's a really good point um uh, you know uh, much of it has to do with perspective on things in some ways but you're highlighting um the word that kind of came to mind um it seems like rejoicing always is a matter of like a, a faithful um, cognitive acknowledgement of yeah. even even though I'm not feeling this whatsoever, uh, yeah. I still trust and declare um, that this is to be true, that God is still good, that I can rejoice because this moment, it does not define me. Uh, whereas um, you can still experience the emotion of the grief in the moment. Is that kind of what you're saying a little bit? Yeah, and I think, I might have already just said this, but I think that that's what made this situation so different for Hope and I, is that part of it is that we literally could have, we had no control in this, right? Like, we didn't get a say. It wasn't like, okay, I can go back in time and figure this out, or if this, like, happened, maybe that would happen, or if I do this now, things will change. Like, this was so completely out of our control that the only thing that we had was to trust, and so... It, it wasn't that it was super easy, but it was, it was a choice of going, God, I don't understand, but I know that you're good. And yeah. I'm choosing that over the crippling and the overwhelming grief and sorrow. Like while that sorrow was still there, still yeah. working through it. And I'll be honest, it wasn't like, okay, God, you're good. Boom. It was yeah. God, remind us that you're good. Yeah. Lord, would you show us that you're faithful? Like that's how those prayers started. Like, by prayer and supplication. And, and I even mentioned the difference and I might be getting ahead, but as Philippians um, 4, 6 says, it's prayer and supplication. Supplication is just a prayer that is just like a blurting out. In fact, I even read it. I think I had a definition somewhere in here. I don't know where that it's is like somewhere me, within right? my notes. I think um, that's but, what you're saying, right? What's say that again? You're saying like, Lord, help me. It's kind of a yeah. It's it's just kind of a, a crying out. It's an it's a humble or an earnest like declaration. Yeah. And, and it's so just literally a prayer that goes, Lord, help. Yeah. Well, that would be a prayer of supplication because sometimes you have time to be able to pray and to be able to bring something before God and talk about it in every different way. And then other times you don't have the words to speak and you just yeah. go, Lord, help. Yeah. And that would be a prayer of supplication. And so I feel like we started at supplication of going, God help Lord. I don't understand. Like for me, the supplication started in the doctor's room as the doctor was struggling to, to kind of get the words out. He seemed and appeared to be nervous. I'd never met this man before, but he just seemed like as he came in, like he was talking pretty fast. Like it just seemed like he was a little bit anxious and I'm going, well, that's weird. And then, then I feel like it slowly started to hit. And it was like, as he said, the numbers were off. I think that was probably the first supplication prayer that I said. It was like, Lord, help or be here in the midst. And then, and then we were able to pray. And so there's just something different about this circumstance that it was amazing how God moved and worked because this is why I say it's prescriptive because we were in prayer supplication. And ultimately, while it may not have been there as we left the doctor's office, but ultimately in that situation, there was a thanksgiving again, not a stupid, like, yay, thank you, Jesus. This has happened, (laughs) but it's going, God, you are good. And we're thankful that you are a good God and that you give good gifts. And even though we don't understand this now that we are choosing to trust and put our faith in you. And in that, 
I think that's how we experience that peace. And I feel like this is, this was unlike any other situation that I'd walked through before because of, because of, I think the, the presence and the peace that God gave to yeah. my wife and I in that. So yeah. I think that's very important to understand is that it doesn't honor God when through a horrific situation that you are just going, no, everything's great. Like be glad and be happy and tell people to smile because the last thing that people want to hear in the midst of that is, oh, it's okay. Everything works out for good. Yeah. Like that seems pretty insensitive and it kind of hurts when you're in the middle of a hurtful situation that you're almost dismissive yeah. of the feelings and the emotions that you're walking through. And you just in a, in a, almost like in a blind sense, you're supposed yeah. to just trust God, but sure. if you can work through those emotions and those feelings and pr through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, man, then I think verse seven just says that God will give you this guarding yeah. uh, this peace that guards your mind. And, and I think that's pretty awesome to see. And I think, well, first off, I want to thank you for sharing that story because, um, uh, and I know we had talked about that even previously, but that I know that's not terribly easy. And I think that really um, was personal and it helped illustrate the point that like, gosh, it's okay to mourn. Um, yeah. And uh, to your point of like, it's not a matter of just like saying like, oh, everything's fine. Like, unfortunately, you know, uh, there have been some communities in the church and I think it's okay for us to call us out and identify it who um, that's kind of their, their uh, paradigm for functioning yeah. when, it, when grief happens, when pain happens. And I don't ever mean to like, you know, criticize them, right, um, right. but more to, to identify and say, man, God gave us the emotions that we have, including grief right. and, um, and sadness and pain. And I think those are holy uh, emotions, but it's a matter of exercising them in, in ways that make sense. Um, and Ben, you even, I think you said this is last weekend that all of these things that rejoicing and, and, and responding in such a way is a practice and a discipline. Did you, am I yeah. saying that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I feel like there was so much that I could talk about that if you watch the recording, basically uh, I, uh, and this is generally how I feel like I work, like front end, I'm taking my time and I'm working through all of my content. And then by about middle of the message, which is usually about a third of my notes, I'm going, <laughs> holy cow. That's true. That's probably a terrible word. I shouldn't say that. My mom would be disappointed in me. <laughs> I, I'm like, oh no, I'm in trouble because I'm not going to get through most of this. Like yeah. I'm halfway done and I'm a third way done the notes. So what happens is that I tend to spend more time explaining on the front end and then more time rushing through the back end. Yeah. And that was one of the areas that I really wish that I could have practiced or that I could have talked about sure. a little bit more. That's verse nine. Um, so he works through peace of God, which guards, which I, even mm -hmm. that, I think that that was so cool. If you understand the significance of Philippi for the Romans, this was, this kind of was the East to West travel for them in the Roman colony and yeah. all reads roads lead to Rome, which is kind of worked up in there. But like, there was an important, an important military significance to it, and it's possible, this is more speculation than anything, but it's possible that when Rome defeated the city that they actually, they used soldiers to colonize it, but it's possible that the soldiers that they even used were the Praetorian Guard, which were the elite soldiers that were responsible for protecting the, uh, the elders, yeah. or excuse me, the emperors. And so if it was, when Paul says, will guard your heart and your world in seven yeah. and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds who better than the Praetorian guard than to understand what it means to guard against something. Like that's something yeah. really significantly cool. So he works through that. Then verse eight, he talks about, you know, focusing our minds, what is true and noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, appraiseworthy. And then verse nine, he says, whatever you have learned to received or heard from me, or seen in me put into practice yeah. and the God of peace will be with you. Like that practice is so amazing to me because it's not something that just comes normal. Yeah. Thank goodness. This right. is <laughs> not something that just comes naturally yeah. to go through a difficult season and to rejoice. That's not normal. In fact, that's why as believers, if we go through a difficulty and we can rejoice again, not in a way that doesn't honor God, where we're just putting on a smug, you know, smile and we're just saying everything's perfect and we're ignoring our, our feelings. But if we can actually be rejoicing in the midst of that, in the middle of our pain, in the yeah. middle of our heartache and still say, but God is still good. Yeah. And that's a huge witness for, 
for what God is doing within the work of a believer. Could I, and so pr- practice is, is key yeah. there. Can I ask this? Um, do you have to feel, um, feel the words you're saying, right? Because I think sometimes like um, I say God is good or I try and profess that, but I don't feel it, right? So can you, um, like what does that yeah, that's look good. like? Because I think yeah. a lot of people sometimes don't want to say it because they don't feel it, but are we basing too much on feelings? Can we say it, believe it? and not feel it at all? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question, and I think that that could probably be a huge debate. Like, you, I could see arguments on both sides of that, of sure. going, no, you, you got to feel it. No, God gave us emotions, so don't fake it. Like, yeah. I grew up in a Pentecostal church where the saying was, fake it till you make it, yeah. and I hated that. Like, I could not stand it. Like, sure. I feel like when I came to know Christ as Lord, I was tired of seeing people that faked being a Christian all the time, yeah. and they struggled with sin the same way that I did, but the difference was is that, I'm here not pretending to sin and they're there pretending, or at least that was what my view of it was. So I think that there's, there's a challenge in that. There's a challenge in that. You could argue sometimes you got to just speak it out and then that helps solidify what God is doing. And I think our words do have a way of almost being like wet cement that sometimes we speak something out, even though it's still being worked within us. And as we speak it out, that, becomes more solidified and solid within our life. It's like that wet concrete that's now drying and becoming more real to us. So I think there is some truth in that, but there's also, for me, the way that I do it is that usually if I know truth and I'm, my life isn't necessarily aligning with it, my prayer is God, would I begin to see it that way? Hmm. Like, and so Lord, if it's rejoicing, like, Lord, allow me to rejoice in this. That's good. Or this is difficult and hard. Would you l- allow me to? Because I know that I'm supposed to, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's a disconnect between what I'm supposed to do and what I'm actually feeling. Sure, sure. And, and I feel like in that prayer, I, again, kind of like that wet concrete becoming solid, like I feel like there's something that can shift in that. Yeah. Like if I'm dealing with anger, Lord, allow me to release my anger to you. Like. Yeah allow me to give this because I know that this anger, like in my anger, I'm not supposed to sin. So anger in itself isn't a sin, but I can allow, it can become sin if I dwell on it. So Lord, allow me to let go of that and release that to you. So there's something about that prayer and supplication piece that allows us to begin to work in the direction that we know we're supposed to go. So uh, I think that uh, I, yeah. So I think that there's a huge value of being able to speak into something that you may not necessarily feel. Yeah. And I'm not advocating that you would fake it until you make it. Sure. What I'm advocating is that if you know where you're supposed to be, but you don't feel like you're there, then don't be afraid to bring that to prayer and sure. supplication and go, God, allow me to be and do what you called me to be. And do. That's good. Awesome. Thanks for that. Um, yeah. Cause I know a lot of times that's where people draw the line. They're like, well, I don't feel it. So this isn't happening or I'm not yeah. going to do this and stuff. So I think uh, differentiating between those things is good. So thanks for that. Um, and, and I do, I'm just thinking of this too. Like we've talked about like how some people in church can be like, they're the positive go lucky where they're trying to repress kind of the feelings and the emotions that they have. And they're just saying, well, there's good. There's kind of a silver lining to every cloud. And I think even that, like, I think most people want, like, if you're in that place, either you don't understand maybe the difficulty that maybe somebody else is going through, or you just really want to honor and desire, mm. like, to, to bring God glory. Like, you're striving to do that. So I don't think that somebody that is in a difficult season and they are putting on a fake smile. I don't know if it's necessarily because they just want to fake it and pretend yeah. like everything's okay. Yeah. I think that they desperately want to try and honor God. But I think it's okay to understand that you can honor God and still mourn and grieve. Yeah. Yet you can still honor God by rejoicing even in that mourning and that grief. Yeah, that's good. Po- that's a really good point. Um, uh, and yeah, it's even like a matter of using that season to worship and maybe in a way that you just don't normally worship is. Sometimes yeah. worship could be falling at the feet of Christ and praying that prayer, like, just help me, God, um, yeah. you know, as opposed to singing on a Sunday morning or Saturday night. So um, really good point. Um, so uh, let's move on a little bit. I got a couple more questions, sure. and then uh, we can open it up to anything that you'd like to add. You can call it Sermon 2.0 here. Um, <laughs> we're actually going to go to 3 o'clock today, everybody. So, uh, you know, no, sit tight. No, I promise, I promise we're not. Like, yeah. I'm trying to get it all <laughs> out there right now. But Yeah, you're doing I appreciate it, man. Um, so I remember you mentioned, uh, you know, so, okay, we can rejoice, 
um, and you provided a reason why it's because God is at hand, right? And yes. if, you know, it yes. sounds like a pretty good reason to rejoice. If you ask me, um, two questions I have there, I guess one to start with, um, can you differentiate? And I, if we're beating a dead horse here, I don't know if that metaphor is inappropriate. So forgive me if it is, but you guys get the gist. <laughs> if we're talking too much about this, you can move on, Ben. But, uh, can you differentiate between rejoicing and happiness? Because I also feel like Maybe we get those two mixed up, and um, and you spoke a little bit to that point uh, this weekend, um, but I think you know that might be a big yeah. point to address. Happy and rejoicing isn't is not the same thing. Like being happy is is this kind of expressed, like I'm smiling, I'm 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 like just excited, and like that. I feel like that is how I would kind of define happy, and that's not a great definition of it. But joy. <laughs> can be sorrowful and mourning and loss, but joy is knowing, I would argue that joy is knowing our heavenly father and that he is good. Yeah. And so all things, while may not be good in the moment, all things can and will be good. Why? Because of the knowledge of who Christ is and the fact that we have him as Lord and savior. So there is a distinguishing factor, I think, between happiness and joy. Like, and, and so Paul does not say be happy. Yeah. He says rejoice and or be joyful. Like that's that's the calling. Not yeah. be happy. Yeah. I think that happy is that stupid grin and you're like, hey, this is terrible, but yeah. we're loving we're it. Happy. <laughs> like I, I think that that's huge. Is happiness is not joy. And I think it's very, very important to understand the difference of that. Okay. And then even to go back to, to verse five, one of the things that we haven't said on the podcast that I did make the point over the weekend is that Philippians four or five, like hmm. So he goes from rejoice always, again, I say rejoice. And then in the ESV version or different translations do it a different way. Philippians 4 or 5 says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, yeah. which is incredibly amazing because if you're thinking about difficulty and then you're thinking about reasonableness, and I said it over the weekend, like if you're appealing to my reasonableness the day that I'm coming out of the doctor's office, I don't think I have any reasonableness. Sure, sure. And other translations say that your let your gentleness be known. Yeah. And then the reason for that in five, and this is the key, such a key point to this entire passage is what you already mentioned is because the Lord is at hand or yeah. because the Lord is near. Like that is why we can rejoice in the Lord always because God is near. Like, yeah. He's at hand. And so I hope I'm not kind of using your expression, uh, beating a dead horse. But I think that that is the key to this entire passage. Like there's so many prescriptive things in this. But when you understand that the Lord is near, that he is close to the brokenhearted, that he has not abandoned you to your situation and he is not blind and he's not a he's not an ambulance driver that shows up after the accident and goes, oh, what do I need to do? Where do I need to be? What do I how do I need to help? But he is a God that has gone before you and is in the midst of that circumstance. He's not trying to do triage, but he knows everything before it even happens. Then you can rejoice because he's at hand. And I think that that is the literal key to this entire passage. And for me, I've read these verses, again, these coffee cup Christian verses, like year after year after year, and I've missed verse five because the Lord is near. That is such a key critical component to it that I think it needs to be highlighted and lifted out because if it wasn't for the Lord being at hand, would we actually have all that much to celebrate and rejoice and be glad in? Yeah. Yeah. But it's the fact that the Lord is near that we can. Um, So I know that you asked a question specifically about, you know, happiness versus joy. Um, But I just felt obligated to bring up four or five and just, no, that's a, that's, the Lord is near. that's great. That's important. Um, and I think that kind of helps uh, remind us why it is that we can do what Paul is saying. So I'm sure a lot of people say, okay, how and why? Like, why should I be rejoicing? And oh, here's the answer. Paul gives it. It's yeah. because God's actually at hand. Um, you may not always feel it. You may not see it. But, you know, the truth of the matter is that God's at hand, right? Um, yeah. uh, one more question. And then I'll we'll jump to the kind of the latter half of the verses that you, um, I know you had to kind of work through. Quickly. Yeah. And I feel like I'm sorry. Like, I feel like we just went to nine and now I brought it back to verse five. Like we were talking about practice yeah. and that's <laughs> one of the there, areas yeah. that I feel like I had more to talk about. And yeah, we haven't even gotten to 13 yet. So yeah, yeah well, please. Let's, uh, let's do this. <laughs> um, I, I really appreciate what you said. Well, I guess, you know, that's redundant. Let's, I'm going to jump ahead because I, I was about to repeat something Great. that might've been redundant. So let's just jump ahead. 
Uh, it's everyone's favorite Bible verse, Philippians oh, 4.13. Man. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, including yeah. passing that driver's exam, including you know, getting that promotion, including <laughs> all of these wonderful things. So, Ben, uh, help uh, us understand this yeah. famous passage and what is Paul saying and what is he not saying? Yeah, this is, honestly, for me, as I've, you know, gone to Bible college and not everybody has, and, and I don't think anybody uh, is maliciously trying to take this verse out of context, but yeah. one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy is when this verse is taken out of context. Like, and what I say by context is that you need to read the surrounding verses of what a Bible passage is saying to understand what the author was meaning in that context. Like, what is he saying in that entire passage? And how does this verse correlate with what he's talking about or the main theme or what he's trying to get across? And so when I was in Bible school for a season, I got to actually teach and I would drill down to the students that were like learning from me. You have to read things in context because you can almost get the Bible to say anything you want it to. If you take verses out of context, like if you just say this, if you do what we call proof texting, which is basically you have a thought and you have an idea and you just search for a scripture to back up what your idea is. That's not actually really reading God's word and letting God's word interpret itself. That's you interpreting God's word and possibly taking that verse out of context. And so Philippians 4.13 is, in my opinion, the worst like verse that is ever taken out of context because what we use it for is these self-motivating things, right? Like we go, I can do all things through Christ. So I can become the next CEO and I can become the next professional baseball player. And I can do all of these things because nothing is impossible with God. I can do all things through Christ. But that is not what Paul is saying here. If you read it in context, what Paul is saying is that because he has become content with Christ, just Christ, Because he's content in Christ, it doesn't matter if he's well-fed. It doesn't matter if he's hungry. It doesn't matter if you know the history of what Paul has gone through. If he's beaten, if he's whipped, like if he's in prison, like all of these things don't matter. And because he's learned to be content in all situations, then he can do all things in Christ who strengthens. Why? Because he doesn't care what happens because he's content in the knowledge of who Christ is and he's content in who and what Christ has for him. And so I think that that is the the most misquoted scripture of all time. And what I hope is that for some of you listening that I didn't just destroy your favorite scripture verse because you're like, man, I loved it because it told me I could do everything. Someone's going to get a tattoo cover up after this. (laughs) (laughs) So, but like that is what Paul is saying is that he has become content in Christ. And because of that, he can do all things in Christ. Why? Because it's not about being the CEO. Yeah. If God, God, you make him the CEO, then he's okay with that. God, if you make, you know, this, this kid, a ball player, professional ball player, then great. But that verse, and this is from Matt Chandler. This is from his book. Like that verse talks about, he talks about a professional baseball player, like a kid believing that because he goes, his thought goes to the kid. What about the kid that's too weak to lift the water container to be on a professional baseball team? Well, no, that verse still applies to them. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you've been been content, whether you're the kid that can't lift the water jug or the professional baseball player, if you've become content in Christ. So I think that that's so, so vitally important, especially now that we're in the midst of graduation season, like everybody's going, Hey, and Mm -hmm. and again, I don't think that necessarily the, the agenda is that we're trying to make scripture say something it's not. I don't think many people set out to actually do that, but I think that we proof text and we go, man, that I want to give glory and credit to God. So mm-hmm. let me say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I think it's it's even that. There's a desire to please and honor God. However, it doesn't mean that I can do anything I choose to because God is going to empower me. It's about me being empowered to do whatever God would have for me and to be okay and to be good with that. I think yeah. that that's really what Paul is kind of harping, harping on that is yeah. that he's learned that Christ is enough that he needs nothing else. And because he's learned that Christ is enough, 
we can do all things. Yeah. So it's not about the motivational poster that says Philippians 4.13. And for me, when I was a kid, seeing those scripture verse, that scripture verse on t-shirts and it's like, man, I, so I could cool. do that. And I need that. It, yeah. It, it doesn't mean if you quote Philippians 4.13, that you're going to be a professional football player yeah. or you're going to do this or that. Like yeah. it still takes dedication and hard work and yeah. determination, like for you to grow in those skills. Yeah. And the fact is, is that not everybody will be able to, even if you work hard at it, yeah. but God has given each of us a gift and we should be content whether we're sitting on the bench or whether we're becoming a professional ball player yeah. that we're content in whatever gifting that God gives us yeah. because he is enough. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think, um, what we were talking about earlier with practice, uh, we want to mention that, you know, scripture yeah. readings practice, it's discipline and it takes a bit of work. Um, and so we, we kind of joke and prod about, you know, the, that taken out of context, but in all seriousness, um, people's effort to lean into scripture is awesome and should be, um, celebrated. Yes. And we invite you into that process. And, um, uh, into just considering the context. Cause that, that I kind of, yeah. the example I give to the students is like, if you walk in a movie theater for five minutes and you watch five minutes of a movie, then walk out, you probably don't know what was happening in that movie, let alone that five right. minutes of it. And so right. in order to get the whole picture, you want to check out the whole movie, just like you want to read the whole passage uh, in its entirety there. So, um, yeah. yeah. And, and if I can going back to that practice, like yeah. you're very much right. I think that the, the truth is, is that, even if I think about this, it, the reality is, is maybe because at one point I thought of this as a motivational verse for me, yeah. but there's a growing and there's a maturity that happens in that and understanding even context. Like there's a growth that yeah. happens in that because to be completely honest, when I first started in youth ministry and first started preparing lessons and like messages to talk, I proofread, like I proof text probably 85% of the time. Like that's how I learned how to do it. I'm like, I want to talk about this. So I need a scripture verse and that, okay, yeah, look, that fits there. And I need to search. What does it mean to go through tests and yeah. then read all of these? Oh, that would fits perfect. Yeah. Like just as a kid, cause I was a kid we, we had the internet then. So, yeah. um, yeah. So I think that there is a maturity and yeah. that practice, like I think practice is so huge. And I would even say that it takes like, rejoicing in the Lord and then being able to, to read context. Like all of this requires practice because it's not, again, a natural behavior. This is not something that we stumble into. It's not like if you don't do anything that one day you'll just wake up and you'll go, wow, in the middle of my worst situation, I can trust God. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. Think of, think of your spiritual growth as like kayaking upstream. If you're not making progress forward, then the current is going to bring you back. Mm. Like that is what a picture of our spiritual growth is. So practice, and I would even say that probably failure is a part of that. Absolutely. Like I think that failure is a, is a great teacher. A lot of times, this is a Zig Ziglar quote. He's a motivational speaker. Like we want to make failure. Uh, we need to make failure our teacher, not our undertaker. A lot of time we just, when we fail, we just want to give up. We just want to quit. Yeah. But really what we should do is learn from that and grow from that. So even when it comes to putting into practice, how do you rejoice in the Lord always? And, and again, I say rejoice. Like, how do you do that? By practice. Like, it just doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. The normal natural response, again, for somebody that's in the situation that my, my wife and I were, the normal natural response is to feel robbed by God. Like, God, you robbed us of a child. Like, Lord, you took it away. Like you gave it to us and then you robbed us. The normal natural response is to feel angry when this or this doesn't go the way that it seems to be going, like the way that you've almost looked like it's orchestrated. Like what is natural is anger and these feelings and these emotions. What is not natural is this practice behavior of going, but God, you are good yeah. and you are faithful. And we choose to trust in you. And it's not easy. It takes work. It takes discipline. It takes growth and development. But if we can start to practice those things, then as you look back on your, your faith journey, while it doesn't feel like you've probably gone very far, when you look back on your faith journey, you realize and recognize that, wow, God really has grown us and matured yeah. us. And to be honest, I think that's part of the reason why I look back at this experience in 2018 is because 
I, I, there was, I think enough, uh, this sounds like I'm, I don't mean to be arrogant in this, but I think that there was enough practice in the smaller areas yeah. where I was struggling to trust God that when it came to this situation, I feel like I look back and it was almost in awe of what God did. Like it was practiced behavior that taught me to pray, that taught me how to, um, you know, is, uh, have supplication prayers and thanksgiving giving to God. Like it was because of all the other things that I had experienced that in this, I experienced God's peace. And it, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen by accident. It was practiced from all the other things that I had experienced that allowed me to experience that this time with my wife in the middle of a horrific situation. So my encouragement to anyone that is listening, as I ripped the uh, earbuds out of my ears, sorry. Uh, my encouragement to you, guys. <laughs> my encouragement to you is to go for it, like yeah. to practice. And if you're sitting here listening to, you're going, and you're kind of laughing, going, there's no way that I can rejoice in the worst of circumstances. Man, uh, keep practicing it. Yeah. Keep maybe even failing at it because yeah. I think if you keep practicing, then eventually you'll get to a point where you'll be able to look back and go, wow, that it almost is like that just happened, but it's not yeah. just happened. But because of the pra practice that you've had, the faithfulness that God has shown that you can experience what he has for you. So that's good, man. Um, yeah. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Um, we have about eight minutes left. Uh, what else would you like to share that you did not get the chance to share? I'm going to let you yeah. just go unbridled for a few minutes. Um, yeah, if you, have you know what? I feel like we have done a good job of, of wrapping up and kind of looking at good. Uh, everything that I was saying. I think that it was really what it was is that it, in preparing a message, there's kind of a flow to things like, I want to include this thought with this verse because it expounds on it, it expands. Yeah. And so it, it almost feels like at times within the message, there's almost a limited window of times that I can talk about certain things sure. because then by the time you get to verse, you know, seven or eight or nine, you should be moving on to these things. Yeah. And so I feel like the format of overtime allows me to jump around. Yeah. So Philippians 4.13 was a big one that I really wanted to get to over the yeah. weekend that I didn't get to talk about as much as I wanted. Um, the practice part of it was a really big part of what I wanted to talk about. Um, and I guess the only other thought that I had was just even expounding a little bit on Philippians 4, 8, 9, when he talks about whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever's yeah. honorable, all of these things. The thought there is that as you're thinking through, as you're replacing thought for thought, what you need to do is it doesn't work at least in my case, it does not work to go, okay, I just need to stop thinking about negative things because the more I try and stop thinking about negative you things, think about it. the more negative things I tend to think about, right? Sure. Like that seems to be human nature. So replacing thought for thought is what's important. And that's yeah. what this list of good virtues actually is in Philippians 8 and 9, whatever's, uh, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, just, yeah. pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And that's what Paul is saying is that don't just try and remove negative thoughts, but focus on what is honorable. Yeah, so don't yeah. try and choose to focus on, like, I don't want to focus on the dishonorable. No, 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 no. Instead of trying to not, what you should do is focus on the honorable yeah. things. And I think that as we can replace those thoughts, again, I don't want to make like this passage is easy or simple to do. But it is so prescriptive as in like this can lead to this and this and this and this. And Paul is encouraging his church. Like you see this in, and I think it's verse uh, 10. Like what we really see is that he says in 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. And now that you have received, uh, that you have received your concern for me and you are indeed concerned for me, but no had opportunity. What Paul is doing is he's commending the church because that yeah. all of these things that he's telling them to do, they're doing. Yeah. And so what we see is Paul is going, man, you're getting it. And yeah. he's celebrating. And here's this word again, rejoicing yeah. in the fact that these believers are continuing to grow and continuing to mature in their faith. And he's just encouraging them to continue on. So yeah. I don't think that I have really anything else um, beyond that. Okay. I'm sure that if uh, time allows, like I could just keep talking because that's yeah. generally, <laughs> I feel the time that. that I generally have. So yeah. Um well, I guess we do have a, a couple more minutes. There's no more final thoughts that you had for the most part. 
I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I don't. I'm sure. Again, the more we talk, I can think of something. But that's about all I got. <laughs> well, um, well, gosh, Philippians is such a good book, and uh, yeah. we do invite you, Ben. What was that book that you or the resource that you recommended? Yeah. So, and I, in fact, I've got my book right here. It's uh, "To Live Is Christ and Die Is Gain" by oh, Matt Chandler. Okay. Uh, this is a video teaching. This is a small group study. You can get that on Right Now Media. Um, and I'll be honest, a lot of his thoughts. We did this with the deeper small group. Yeah. Um, high school small group a couple of years ago. It's about 12 weeks um, of teaching, but some of those videos are like 45 minutes long. So we, I think we got like 20 weeks out of this 12 week teaching. So oh, wow. it is an exhaustive study. Yeah. Great teacher, Matt Chandler. Like he helped influence a lot of my content, I feel like. Um, so I really encourage you that if you are looking for an exhaustive study on Philippians, that would probably my, be my first go-to recommendation yeah. that you can watch the videos. There's a book that goes along with it. There's a workbook that is all there. And I think you can find all of that on rightnowmedia.com. Yeah. Uh, so awesome. yeah, shout Thanks out to for, Matt Chandler. Yeah, so uh, we always kind of see, uh, you know, weekends. We hope that it's not the total of your spiritual nourishment. We hope yeah. rather that it's an invitation to dive deeper. And especially with this book of Philippians, we talked a lot about it, but there's so much more that you can glean from this text. And we invite yeah. you to lean into that. And of course, you're always more than welcome to reach out to us uh, if you want to talk about it. I think we're all right with talking to people. I feel like that's what we need nowadays um, yeah. is just interaction. I'm afraid just that- talk to me, somebody, yeah. anybody. I'm afraid that I'm going to like be super socially awkward once this all ends. I just won't know how to talk to people anymore. So, um, yeah. well, hey, we thank you guys so much for tuning in to Overtime episode 31 and for to our services over the weekend. Uh, we're continuing to kind of lean into this paradigm. It's funny, you know, I never thought I'd have to, um, like, I never thought we'd have to, like, actually, you know, let's come up with a great system that we're going to be using forever because, again, we thought it was going to be a couple weeks. Um, yeah. But we're still in this, and we've not, um, we're still working on talking about, you know, what it looks like in the future to um, to open up as a congregation again. So um, keep yeah. posted for that information. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at CLC Family, or you can check out our website, uh, www.clcfamily.com. Dot church and if you have questions go ahead and email us at info at clc family uh and yeah. once again we miss you guys and love you guys a lot we'll Absolutely. be starting a uh we'll have gary will be preaching this sunday and it's a standalone message yep. so tune in this saturday at 5 p.m or sunday at 9 or 10 45 um as we jump into kind of a new conversation so until yeah. then you guys take care stay safe and we will see you see soon. everyone Bye. thanks for joining us bye